Welcome back to the Hack Attack Podcast. As always, I'm your host, the overly detailed prologue of a very fantasy novel, Jay. And joined as always is my co-host, the overdone YA enemies to lovers trope, Z. How are we doing today, Z? Jack, you know, we would have been doing pretty good. That was pretty a well. Good, that was a good... Jack, I mean, we weren't off on a good footing and you've just done it again. <laughs> I do I do that every week? Almost every week, I managed to fuck that up so that you can get me on it. Real son of a bitch. <laughs> it's not my fault. I tell you every week, and it's you a good, still don't remember. It's a good, appropriate intro, Jack. But it doesn't change the fact that I have a bone to pick with you. With me? What do you have to pick with Jack, me about? You, Jack, you, you've gone and jinxed it. You understand? What did I Last talk? week on the show, Jack, not only did you say, out loud, you, you tempted fate, and you said, what if wheel time's bad, haha? Huh? <laughs> you went and set it into a microphone that was recording, and then... And then, Jack, when you were editing the episode, you didn't think I better cut that out so as not to tempt God. <laughs> and you didn't. You kept it in, and then you went and uploaded it, and the wheel of time was bad. So, uh, pretty sure that's entirely on you. Fuck. I guess you're right. I guess I did. I I guess me saying it after it already had made, shot, edited, and had marketing for it, me, mm-hmm. a white man, decided it's true fate. I'm glad you agree. So, so anyway, we're going to get that reason, I, uh, I must demand your resignation. From the show? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. I'll get that to you and whenever I get it to you. When I actually when I come home for Thanksgiving, I'll give it to you. Excellent. It'll be a, it'll be a, be on a platter. It'll be a big old knuckle sandwich right in your gums. Uh, let's talk about it, Jack. The Wheel of yeah. Time. The Amazon yeah. original series. It's not very yeah. good. Oh, yeah. They kind of no. whiffed it. I they kind of whiffed they, it, Jack. I'm so sad. I think they fucking whiffed it. Oh, no. Zach, it's bad. Ah. <laughs> And Daniel Green said it was good, and I was like, oh, he said it was good. And then I watched it, and I was like, Daniel Green, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, he was... Uh, Daniel Green's a YouTuber for... Yeah, we don't actually know him. No, I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, he... I don't know what... I guess he's just he just inclined to be a little more optimistic than us, maybe. But yeah, I don't... Well, to be, to be fair, he also loved Dune and loved The Green Knight. Those are so, not... Th- I don't agree with two of those, and you don't agree with one of those. So what do we know? Probably more than him, just because it's our show. Right. On this, on the, on his YouTube channel, he can be the authority over here. It's us. We're the authority. We run this this town. Mm-hmm. So, Jack, let's get into it. I got a whole, I got a whole laundry list here. So, first and foremost, I want to say, like, this, we're in a weird spot because ultimately, uh, we we only are Wheel of Time, quote unquote, fans because of this show. We just started reading the series this year, all because in preparation of this show. So, like, we're not uh, lifelong fans or anything. No, not at all. Um, we are, we are fairly fresh on the bandwagon big green around the girls we're big fans so far and we're yeah we were like we i mean we jumped right in like i've enjoyed it all the way through so this we were talking about before we started recording we were talking about stuff about it getting through book five i'm almost done and then we'll try to fucking so oh fuck a little i guess we'll do inside baseball here a little bit once we finish book six in january probably we'll do this episode because we got so much in december uh, we'll talk about the next three books. We're still going to do, like we said before, we're still going to do sets of three of the books. We're still going to keep doing that even though the show's going on. So if anybody wanted to listen to that, they still can because <laughs> we'll still do episodes. So we were pretty excited about this going in. And I think part of that probably is because we're new fans. Like we don't actually, it's kind of a double-edged sword in that way because like we're excited, but we also don't have a ton of like built up like nostalgia or like we're not very set in our ways as fans because we're so new. It's not, it, it doesn't, you know, we enjoy it. Yeah, we're easily yeah. formed. We're like, oh, whatever, man. I'm down for whatever right now. It doesn't right have now. a very solid place in our minds yet. So I think we were probably no. probably more poised 
to enjoy this than maybe like a fan who's been a fan their whole life and has read all those books and and like had to live through the unfortunate like time where Robert Jordan passed and was like I'm ever yeah. gonna see the end and then Brando Sanderson Brandon I still call him Brando Brandon Sanderson <laughs> finished the series off like we come in like years after that so like it's like yeah the wheel of time's always been done it's never yeah. not been done there's never been any doubt so and even then we uh got some problems with it so. I really wanted to like so it I got so my bad. Here. And I, I, I guess we should still, we should definitely obviously leave with the caveat. This is just the first three episodes, right? It's not, yes. um, our opinions are liable to change, but. Yeah, we got five more episodes left. We talked about this off show, but like, it's already been renewed all the way through season three. So I guess no matter what comes, or I, I mean, I guess, I don't know if that's set in stone. I suppose if this is some kind of monumental failure, they may be able to pull the plug regardless. I mean, it's, they're making it. Like, who's going to fucking stop them, right? Yeah, who's going to stop Jeff Bezos from just pulling the plug but, in real uh, time? So, I mean, there, there's still time. But based off of these first three episodes here, got some issues. So I'm not going to, I don't think we're going to sit here and like just go down the, you know, checklist of each and everything they changed. Because I don't think. Yeah. That's not fair to any kind of adaptation. And no, not uh, at all. I also don't think everything's bad. So like I got on here Egwene being a Taviran and like a potential candidate for also being the dragon. I think that's a good and interesting change. Yeah, I think when they said four, I was like, because I feel like that should just kind of be what it is. Like it fits I agree, better, yeah. I think. I was even thinking like I'd have thought, like, I don't know if this is gonna be true, but maybe that was a secret spoiler that we don't know about. Like maybe Egwene will be revealed to be one in the books. We I, haven't gotten to because we're not even halfway I, through. I don't, I don't think, think so, that'll happen. I've seen but so it, many people like talk about it online as if it's a change, like people who clearly have read all the books and stuff. So I, I don't think it's true, but okay. I did have that same thought as well. We haven't seen that yet, but again, we are still so relatively early that it, it could change. Although mm-hmm. there's definitely hasn't been any evidence of her being a Taviran, and I, we haven't no. seen. I guess we haven't seen much of any of them being Taviran yet necessarily. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Because yeah. Matt, Rand, and Perrin, their stories Perrin. go on where, like, that is important. And yeah. in the books, Rand right, most and so. in the book, because Egwene is not a Taviran, and be- because that means such a specific, specific thing in the books of you're this person who is so important and so influential to, like, the sort of path. The fabric yeah, the of the fabric world. And the, the path of the world. That like events and people seem to bend around you to what you need or want in a particular moment, and Egwene does not have that sort of advantage in the books. So it'll be interesting to see how they go forward. Having said she was a Taviran, to then have her storylines play out, presumably you know mostly close to how they do in the books, but without that showing itself at all. So I, I guess that is kind of you know a right. bit of a wrinkle, but all in all, I do agree. I think it's a uh, that's a fine change. It kind of makes sense. I think it actually makes more sense, because, like, why has she come along otherwise? I mean, I know why she comes no, along, I agree. but, you know, I think it just this, make, in the books, makes it more just sense. Makes, they're like, well... Yeah, in the book, Marina's like, I need to bring you three, because I don't know which one of you is the dragon yet. And then she's, you know, Gwen's like, well, I want to come, and then Marina's just like, uh, fucking, the wheel weaves is the wheel wheels, my boy, get in. Come on, come on now. I guess, and then Tom's like, hey, what's up? That's it's me, Tom. As well, touch on him over here. I think that's another one. Like that's, I think that's a fine change to have them meet him later on, and not just at so that you know all eight of them don't just depart from the same exact place at the same time. I think that's a fine change. Yeah, yeah. I I, I thought it was fine how they because they still keep him with Rand and Matt, which is the his most important plotline in the book in the Eye of the World. He's like he he's very influential to them. Mm-hmm. And like he still does the knife stuff. Like he's still very much a gleeman. He knows yeah. more than he lets on. Like his character, I think, mostly is still the mm-hmm. same. They just change his plot line. Yeah, he's like one of the most worldly, really one of the most worldly characters in the in the whole series. At least where we're at. 
So yeah. Like, yeah, he's he's he has a lot to teach the young people and all. There's I think there is some change to him that we'll get to I want to talk about a little bit. But one of the big things early on that I actually did like that I just have because I just was taking notes as I saw. I really liked in the beginning of the first episode the ruins that they see. I think that's really cool, actually. It's kinda like it kinda took me back for a second about how kind of I suppose like Is it when they're re- when they're riding through the like fields and is that aqueduct? I was talking about with um about? it's in the beginning. It's before Lan and Moraine come to the two rivers and they yeah, are right. in Ah, uh, gosh, I don't even know which place. They're in the place where the Red Sisters get Loghain, and you see... Well, that's not Loghain. Isn't it? No, I don't think... I don't, it's not the same actor. You sure? That, like, opening scene? I'm 100% sure. Oh. Nope, that's not Loghain. Because that guy has a top knot. I thought they were the Borderlands, because both those guys had top knots. Well, whatever it is. They pass these, like, massive skyscrapers that are, like, overgrown. Oh, I, I guess it... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. I do know what you're talking um, about. Right. So I just wrote that down. I think that's cool. And that's, again, it's kind of took me back for a second about how kind of like in your face it is. But I mean, that's accurate. That's what the this world is. So I thought that was cool. And you should just see mm-hmm. like so early on because in the books, you don't get as much hints of that. Um, It takes a couple. That's kind of where <laughs> the positives kind of end for me. With episode one. I think episode one is by far the, the most fuck these first three. And yeah. I think a lot of it comes down to. Yeah the sort of pacing and structure of this and like i understand part of it's just going to be it's going to be very difficult to adapt a fantasy epic like this to screen it always is and like so first and foremost in the books right obviously you know but just for everyone else's sake it's the first book is pretty much entirely or i guess but it is a lot from Rand's perspective the first yeah it's it, whatever it is 15 chapters or so are entirely from his perspective and so we as the reader now obviously like there's the element of well you know what you're reading like you're starting to wheel of time you kind of get it they're on the cover and all but from a narrative perspective we do not know who lan and moraine are until they learn who Lan and Marina. And in this show, mm-hmm. they obviously subvert that. And again, I kind of understand that it's a lot of groundwork to set up in a first episode of what this world is, what it all means, because you don't have characters in our monologues to describe the stories that they've heard and the, the innate knowledge that they have of their world. So right, like yeah. in the first 10 chapters of a book, you can have just sprinkled in between all the dialogue and the actual action. Rand just has inner monologue where he's like, yeah, I remember all the stories that they said about I said I and this and that and what they do. You don't get that. So we need to I, I understand why you need to establish them. I, that I don't think is like a terrible change. I think it's less interesting to just have them show up and be like, where I said I and she tells everybody even like it's less interesting. But everybody it's just knows. But <laughs> I, I think the characters do not get enough time in this first episode, basically. I don't would you agree with that? Yeah, I would say the only characters who get time are Egwene and Matt. Those are the only two characters who actually like establish themselves yeah, as who they curiously, are. Seriously, Rand gets almost the least. Like you get nothing about him. He that's a trend through this whole except episode three. Even up up to episode three, like Rand isn't doing a whole lot at all like he just they cut out this they changed the scene that in the book on winter's night when he gets his father down the mountain like that's very important to his character and he's not yet he's like they just don't do it which i understand why there's like these revelations that are happening like his father is in his delirious state saying things that are important we get none of that and i understand like you don't necessarily want 20 minutes of the episode to be devoted to like Rand dragging his father down the mountain through the dark I get that, but you gotta give something, I think. And I think they just tried to shove too much in this first episode. And I, so I went and looked at my copy of Eye of the World, which is on audiobook, so it's a little different. I would I actually wanted, I guess I should ask you, do you have yours near you? 
No, mine's a, okay. mine's not with me. So I want I just wondered what it was page wise, but best I could tell, this first episode is the first is literally the first ten exactly chapters of the Eye of the World, and I think mm-hmm. and now so Eye of the World is like fifty two chapters. So just on paper, it's like a fifth of the chapters, right? But I think it may even be longer, actually, like lengthwise. And so it's a it's mm-hmm. quite it, it's a quite significant chunk of the book, really. It doesn't right, necessarily. Yeah. I can understand why it might not feel like it because you know it's it's not it's not they the actiony kind of part, right? So like, looking back, yeah, they're just kind of talking i was kind of thinking like okay it's probably not that much of the book but when i I brought up i was like yeah right so like they do a lot of establishing and so if you compare like a fifth of a book to an eight episode season right it'd be more like two episodes than just one yeah you would you would want it to be i think it would have definitely benefited from two i think so as well because i guess i don't want to mention but i remember uh, i was watching the daniel green review because i wanted to see what he thought he was like yeah, the chemistry between Rand, Matt, and Perrin in this first episode is, like, really good. And I was like, what are you watching? Like, are we watching the same thing? Yeah, I like those three characters. And in the books, they're all friends. And you can tell, like, they're all very, very well-written characters. But in this show, Matt's the only one who does anything, like, remotely in- interesting. Yeah. Perrin just kind of sits there, which I guess is the point. But, like, a character who's a lot of an inner monologue is not great for shows because he doesn't talk. That's a lot of not yeah, him talking. Like, they seem like friends, I guess, but they get like one scene of just like, hey, it's us being friends. Like very in your face. It's like we're sitting down like, joking with each other. And that's kind of it. You don't get nothing to nothing for the phrase. But and I think I guess this is a good time. So I need to say this general kind of thought I had, which is it's like we were talking about with Dune, I feel with this show is it feels like it's almost made with you having read the books already in mind so that you know yeah. the actual story and the plots. And so you can just turn this on and say, well, here's like the actiony bits. Here's them doing like fighting stuff. I can fill in the blanks myself. But if you hadn't like you get nothing about what these guys are in this first episode, like what, what their personalities about. are, what the dynamic is between them necessarily. Like it's, I guess you get a gist of it. Again, it's hard for me to like gauge that fully because obviously we know going in, but I got to imagine if you hadn't read the books, you wouldn't, you don't get a whole lot out of this first episode. Yeah. The, the one thing I will give them, the one scene that actually like shows that they're friends, I guess is when, I don't know if it's first episode, it's gotta be when they all sit down and Rand and Perrin give Matt money to buy like things for his sisters. And he's like, I don't want it. And they're like, just take it. That's that's like kind of a more like, haha, we're friends. Look how good of friends we are. It's like, it's more of a character scene. It's like, no, like, here's money and we give it to you and just take it. Like, we're not, we don't really care. Which I thought was good, but it's kind of where it starts and ends. Because parent like, does not talk. And it's just. Yeah. So, again, structurally, like, it's just, in a, it's just kind of set up weird. And it's too, the pacing is off. And it's too quick of like it kind of so I guess it establishes like it, the very very beginning obviously what Moraine is trying to do and then um so that, again that's a change like that's not really revealed in the like I have a hard again I have a hard time gauging because of how far we are in now but I want to say in the first book there she doesn't let that slip exactly what is going on in like what she thinks they are until like near the end right yeah like, I, this I, is like the very be, first scene she, she's like all right land let's remember. go find the dragon reborn. <laughs> And then, so you get there, and it's very in your face what she's here for, what they're doing, yeah. and it's just, it's just too fast. And so we get here, and before we know who these characters are as people, we're just thinking, all right, these are the dragon 
people. These are like the savior of humanity, I suppose. And it's just not. It, you don't get anything with mm-hmm. their families. You don't get anything of the feel of the actual town. They don't even ever refer to it as Emmons Field, like even once. It's just called the Two Rivers. It's no, like, called the like, Two I, Rivers. I guess that's nitpicky, but it's it's just felt a little weird to me. Ironically, the most we get of anyone's like backstory, upbringing, who they are, what they're about is Nynaeve, who is not one of is not even one of Moraine's candidates yeah. for dragon. And like, there's this weird moment where she's like, "All right, Lan, let's go to the Two Rivers." There's a rumor that there's Tarvir in there. What? A rumor from whom? Yeah, that didn't make any sense because who would have? How could you know that unless you were there? Only, only Aes Sedai or like the most educated or like Ogier know what Taviran are. Basically, necessarily, right? And you can only know that there's a Taviran if you're there, if you're there and you can witness it and you can, like, literally, it's said that you can physically feel them kind of shifting things around them. So, like you said, that would mean there was an Aes Sedai who traveled through Emmons Field felt that and was just like hmm, this bears no investigating we just keep on trucking yeah and then moran was like hey what about this place she's like you know actually i went there once and funny enough i felt a little because, something you know i don't know what it was not, again it's like you don't get any sense of this because they don't have any time to tell you what this town is who it's about like anything but in the books it's said that like it's it, they drive home in the beginning that emmons field is is incredibly remote even for like a, a rural like farming community in this medieval world Settlement. where they say that it's not uncommon for the only like outsider to even travel like to their town in a given year to be peddler there pet on fane right pet and fane they haven't seen tax collection from the kingdom to which they supposedly belong in like generations like it's incredibly remote that's kind of the whole yeah they don't right they don't they don't even know that they have a queen like they don't even know what that is even about right. like what do you mean they We're don't even queen. consider themselves to be part of like, the why we have a mayor they belong and that that's kind of how these three Taviran, three you know three in the book four in the show are able to go unnoticed but so like this just this dumb throwaway line because they couldn't think of anything else for her to say to explain this of there's a rumor that they're there is but it's just bad. It just, it just portrays like a misunderstanding of this world. The point. And in the book, she explains it. She goes, yeah, because I just looked at all these records and there are people born at this time. So mm-hmm. I'll just go every Like, that's the whole point. She goes all around the world to everywhere where some where people were born under like this time 20 years ago. So it's like, all right, if their birthdays mm-hmm. line up, then they might be the guy. Another thing I thought was weird uh, going to specific episodes. The cold open, yes. When they're like getting those two guys are getting chased, not good. Oh no, not good. They did a yeah. zoom in on the head red sister's face, not good. <laughs> did not like that. Yeah, like, oh, oh, that's the first thing I was like, what's going on I here? That's a not a good start. To mention, like, beyond any of the story decisions, this show has a startling lack of polish for a series that's reportedly uh, cost ten million dollars an episode. It does not look very good it yeah. looks and i've seen a lot of people say this and i don't even think it's exaggerating it's like it looks like a fucking cw show and that's everything like you said like the directing the cinematography like the, the just the camera work um the cgi it all feels kind of cheap yeah i just even where they're like where they're walking in the third episode when Perrin and gwen is yeah, walking to like a wasteland where 
doesn't look right. Are they? What's like, going on? You hear $10 million an episode. You expect this like cinematic quality. You expect, and we'll, we'll get into this in a, in a bit. I get a whole bunch I want to say about this. But you expect a Game of Thrones, right? You expect the, the Marvel shows, which look like they're mm-hmm. movies, right? You expect The Mandalorian, which looks like a movie. TV has gotten good at that recently. This this premium format TV, right? Your that you get from your HBOs and you would have thought from yeah your Netflix and what Netflix you would have thought and... from Amazon Prime is that it's not made like traditional TV is. They spend money, they go on location, they take risks that TV did not used to ever do, and yet this feels again like a network TV right. show. It, it literally feels like the the this could be on the CW or on like the sci-fi network or like, yeah. ABC or some shit. So let's get into the, the, I, well, cut all that out. I think you sound smart here, Jack. We, so I'll try my best. It's about hard. The, the pacing here. I think they could have done a much better job with this first episode is if the first episode essentially ended again, just make it two. And the first episode ended with her arriving in Emmons field. And so the entire first episode could be devoted Half or maybe less than half, maybe equally split amongst the five Emmons fielders, or about equally, right? And Moraine and Lan. And so you establish that Moraine is looking for them and what she's doing and her whole quest. But you also actually take time to establish these characters who are purportedly are the main characters of this whole series. It take a little bit of yeah, time heroes. to who they are, what they're like, their families, because they all have fucking families that were cast to do almost nothing. Like, just watching this, you might not even, like, I guess I guess you kind of do, but you don't know what they do, necessarily. The characters, it's not until the third, like, episode where you're like, okay, Matt's dad was a horse trader, but I guess that might even just be a lie. We'll get that in a second. I, you never see Perrin doing any of these blacksmithing. Barely even get the sense that, like... Egwene's family owns the inn. It's, I, I guess you know that they're, that Rand and his dad are shepherds, but like they just, I guess they're just, they, you kind of just get the vague sense that they're farmers of some kind. And again, you don't get this dynamic. It, like, I didn't even yeah. think of it until you mentioned it earlier, but yeah, it's absolutely massive that they left off the stuff with Rand and his dad in this first episode. I don't know how they're going to make that up later on. Like, it's not because he's gone from his father now, right? They're, they're separated. Yeah, for... Seemingly. I mean, we have, he's yet to even yeah. get near Evans Fields again in the books. The only person. Yeah, who... it's so. I think that would have been a much better idea. And then at the end of the first episode, she rolls up and like it's you could even kind of like slow reveal it. Of Moraine's on this quest. And then, OK, the next place she is showing up to is Evans Field. And oh shit, like these are the people she's looking for, maybe. I think that would have worked. Yeah. Not don't have a literal line where she's like, Lan, we are going to Emmons Field because that's where they are. There was a rumor that that's, that's where, where the dragon be. is. What? Yeah, you, even though like the whole point is that no it's also like in the books, it's very clear that people don't like the dragon. No. And it's actually it's a problem with episode three. I'm gonna say right now, we didn't say this before. I don't know how long we're in the episode, I haven't started recording. Uh spoilers for the whole oh, thing, yeah. <laughs> I guess. But anyway, I just want to say it so we have some immunity. But like, I, I don't want to jump ahead, but like the Lo- the Logan reveal at the end of episode three did not like that shit. Why the fuck are they with Logan in the first book? They don't talk about false dragons. They don't talk about why the dragon is a big deal. Like, they're not like nervous. Why would we be the guy that we all don't really like? And he's like a scary person. Yeah, that's there's a lot of weird a, things they don't do. Point. Other than Maureen's voiceover in the very first episode there. You don't actually know what what the dragon is or what that actually means necessarily. 
Um, and yeah. we talked about this before we started recording here. There's no reason that this show shouldn't have done the prologue from the books, which shows the yeah. dragon, like Luz Theron, breaking the world and like what that meant. And why? And like what happened yeah, right what before caused- it? Like how he went and how he's insane. How he killed his entire, like not even just kills his family. He kills everyone who's like even has a drop of his blood in him, in them. He goes absolutely bananas and just breaks the world. So like instead of and Moraine's then voiceover. <laughs> they should have just done a, a scene of that. It puts in that 10 million and just fucking doing lose right, thread. So I got the specifics on each of the characters here in <laughs> just how they do each of them wrong. And okay, so, cool, cool. Well, I guess before we get into this, I think a big problem with the show, again, beyond just like the lack of polish and like the technical side of things, which is startlingly bad, the story decisions, I think a lot of them can be summed up essentially to to this one thing and it's basically that it's trying too hard to be adult and i literally i don't know if i mentioned it out loud on the show but i definitely we talked about it um that i expressed to you that i was kind of nervous about this because i had seen stuff in interviews where the showrunner had said specifically that they were trying to make it more adult the reason that the actors are all a little bit older than their characters are in the book and the reason that even like brand and Egwene have this uh, like an intimate relationship at the start of this book like so you know before the start of the book essentially all came from Mm -hmm. them wanting it wanting to make make it a little more adult and i was kind of nervous about that because the thing about the wheel of time is is like it's not it is adults it's not for children it just features yeah the children right or i mean they're they're like young like the young yeah they're like 20 i mean Gwen is the youngest in the book she's 16 but like that's not yeah it's like this um there's this misconception that young adult books are for young adults when often it just means it's about young adults and deals with like coming of age, which yeah. the Wheel of Time books do, but they also have like I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that they are literally Game of Thrones, but they don't pull punches as far as like violence and stuff. And so this mm-hmm. I think it was this very misguided idea to be like, we have to make it edgier. And I think it really circles back to the Game of Thrones thing. We all knew all along that this series is essentially was created more or less as an answer to Game of Thrones, right? Apparently, purportedly yeah. Jeff Bezos himself literally said, We need to have a Game of Thrones. And this is what they came up with. They went out and they got Wheel of Time. They said, let's do it. Right. So we all knew that going in. But I, I guess I did not think they would do it quite this literally. Because they didn't just adapt Wheel of Time because it's a fantasy series. And they're like, that's kind of like Game of Thrones. They literally were like, how do we make Wheel of Time more like Game of Thrones? Like, yeah, Game of Thrones. And so each and every scenario and the, the, the world and the characters and all the situations are just that much more like gritty and kind of grim and cynical like it is in Game of Thrones mm. which they do not need to be that's and it, it just it just ruins it like one it and plus it's like not the same kind of show no. the game you can like literally if you look at the first episodes of both of those shows Game of Thrones and Wheel of Time the whole point of that game, Wheel of Time starts in like we said a very sec- as secluded as you can be while still being a civilization in the middle of nowhere backwoods that they don't even know they're part of a kingdom they're very naive and game of thrones who are the main characters in game of thrones there are no peasants i is the answer the lords and ladies of westeros are the characters of game of thrones not the farm boys who are suddenly magical it's the lords who are suddenly magical so there is already a, an adult element because they're doing more serious things and there's a knowledge of the world. Like the characters in the world, before you even meet them, 
It's implied that they have been trained to understand the brutality of their world. The whole point of real time is that they don't. And it's such, like it's thrust upon them in the most like vitriol way possible with the Trolloc yeah. attack. I've literally have heard interviews where Robert Jordan has literally said he's essentially like, you know, kind of his bare bones, like day one reason for writing Wheel of Time was he had this idea of like, yeah, what would it be like? What would it actually be like? He wanted to do a more sort of like realistic interpretation of if you were just a nobody and they told you that you were the savior of all mankind, how would you deal with that? And what would it actually be like? And the answer is that it's hard mm-hmm. and it's very like difficult to navigate. I, I also heard that he related some of it to his time in oh. Vietnam. I didn't I yeah, I didn't know that he served in Vietnam, but apparently like them leaving home and being thrust into this like world full of horrors, wow. monsters, is how like kind of an allegory to his time in so Vietnam. Yeah, like you said, you, you put it perfectly there. In Game of Thrones, the characters are already in the Game of Thrones. Whether they want to or not, they're in it. Yeah. The whole point of Wheel of Time is that they're not. It's that they are innocent. And it's, again, it's not like childish, these books. I don't know how to put it properly. I, I, I'm lacking the words right now. It is adult. Like They're dealing with violence and war all throughout book one. I mean, maybe less. It definitely ramps up. But even in the yeah. first couple of like In book two, one of the characters gets ma- gets put into magic yeah. slavery. Egwene is captured by these horrible people called the Seachan who invade and they, because she can do magic, they put a collar on her and they put her in slavery for like four months. Like she spends four months of real, like of time in slavery and gets it and has like ramifications going yeah. forward the characters don't forget it's not yeah again like you said, it's it's a, a massive like conflict that is central to each and every one of the like main five characters our character arcs is dealing with being exposed to this much larger world than they realize each and every one of them has that as part of their whole thing like literally and the interesting part is they all deal with it in very different ways because they're written very differently and so if you don't take any time to establish that that they come from this like very simple beginnings it doesn't really work like that's the whole point of the story and you couldn't take the time in the first episode to even establish that about these people and again like it's Mm -hmm. not it's not like the story is not innocent but the characters are i guess maybe that's the best way to put it right is that yeah, the characters need to be innocent, and by making them gritty and dark in the ways that they have decided to do in this show, it, yeah, it takes away from like the arcs and what these are about. And I don't know. I, I guess maybe they were just were they thought that people wouldn't want that, that audiences would not be receptive to just like a more straightforward kind of pure, like more. I don't know if wholesome's the right word, but like the Wheel of Time is a more straightforward fantasy thing. I, we've talked about this before, you and I, but it's literally considered by a lot of people to be like the quintessential sort of high fantasy work like this is high obviously yeah. the lord of the rings is you know its own kind of level but often the the quote that's thrown around in on like material for it is so i don't remember what who like said it like so whatever new journalist or whatever publication said this but it said that like robert jordan came to inhabit the world that tolkien created so that like Robert Jordan took everything Tolkien made, like took all the groundwork and built something like incredible out of it. The the thing he did, he did, kind of does most of the tropes, but but it's they're all on purpose. Like they're not tropes to be tropes. Like they're all built in a certain. I mean, we could go on and on, but that's like a three-hour yeah. episode. Yeah, why would we like this sh- series so it much? It seems but, like yeah. with this show, they were scared to just do that, to just have a like genuine, um, a sort of again the words of them, not not wholesome, but like just a fantasy series that was unafraid to just be straightforward fantasy without the game of thrones yeah. 
grittiness and and the the real, realism, yeah, yeah, I guess, the excessive realism of like, yeah, but if it was real, then this would this and this, and it, the world would be dark, and people are in real life, people are gritty. It's like and terrible and awful. It's like, yeah, I, okay, but that's not the point of like it's, fantasy. Um, it's like in the the epic rap battle, the epic rap battle history between George R. R. Right, wait, between the two, of course, I know it well. It's like we all, yeah, the line of uh, we all know the world is full of chance and anarchy. So yes, it's true to life for characters to die randomly. But newsflash, the genre is called fantasy. It's meant to be unrealistic. That's kind of sums this up. Is like they yeah. were like they were afraid to just have a kind of like simple, more like straightforward of like these characters are just genuinely innocent and nice. And we're just going to be unabashedly doing a fantasy thing with magic. It's not like Game of Thrones where they're all like, ah, the magic is gone. Nobody knows the magic anymore. What are you talking? I, I was just going to say like, that there's a there's a very crux difference like that. I was going to bring that up and I guess I'll just say it now to cut you off too much. But like in Game of Thrones, Robert Jordan, I know Robert Jordan, fuck. George R. R. Martin has said that his at the end of his series, he he is so he is as low magic as he could possibly be without being like historical mm-hmm. fiction. He has said it, there's so little magic, even by the end. Like obviously, each book there's more magic. He said that, and at the end, he's the amount of magic in his story will be less than almost all of them. Most fantasies begin right. at in fucking George R. R. Martin's world. There's no like magic Satan bound in the wasteland. Huh. There's no society of it's wizards. All just people being just people. Yeah, and that and like that's why it has to be that dark, because there's no great force it's of like, evil. It's like no, there are people and they're shitty because they're people, and that's what you have to deal with. And maybe there's magic sometimes, but that's not the you know crux. What this, is, yeah. well, what this is is Amazon seems to have approached the Wheel of Time same way that our good friend Zack Snyder approaches Justice. Oh, yes, he has. Yes, they Which fucking is, have. Like, we can't just make it be like nice and have the characters be wholesome and and just be this kind of straightforward story about good and evil where there is just definitive like lines lines they're like well there's the light and the dark because fucking game of thrones is to them as watchman was to Zack snyder where Zack snyder <laughs> watched watchman and he was like man what no he well, made watchman he read watchman and was then made watchman and he's like that clearly has colored his thing is is everything going forward of like man this is crazy this is a deconstruction this is a deconstruction of the genre. This really shows. And deconstructions are valid and interesting, obviously. Yeah. But the problem is... But everything can't be everything a deconstruction, because then what exactly. are you building? So it seems like the people, again, they said, we want Game of Thrones. And instead of finding a Game of Thrones, which is to say a deconstruction, a, a gritty, realistic deconstruction, low fantasy, like the least fantasy you can get, like you just said, out of a fantasy... Instead of finding one, though, they said, what if we took the most fantasy, the, the most straightforward, like, kind of genuine fantasy thing, and we tried to make it into a deconstruction in this gritty version, and that doesn't work. And so they left with this, which is just gross. So let's get, let I got all the, we got all the characters. So Egwene, I guess this isn't really, like, on track of this, but it is just a weird thing of her character. She seems much less willful in this. Um, And we've talked about this when we talked about our, the first three books. The Wheel of Time world is essentially a matriarchy. Right. Where and they don't again, they don't really convey that in this. They don't really convey that about their world, but whatever. So the women, a big part of these, even where we at still five books in is this. The dynamic is is shifted where from what we expect in our world, where women are usually the ones pushing the men around. And part of the the character arcs that all of our main characters go through in, in the Wheel of Time is 
the men learn to be a little more like willful and and to not get pushed around and the women learn essentially to be nicer to dudes and not just like you know force them into doing everything they want just browbeat them all into doing what they want and so in the beginning Egwene's character is very willful and like very she'll, she'll tell it like it is even though she is younger than matt Egwene and perrin or sorry matt Rand and perrin she'll like yell at them and shit and like put them in line call them yeah. names and, and there's none of that stupid so that's that's a bit of a, of a disservice to her character but whatever um rand again there's just almost nothing to him really yet so i guess they didn't do much to change him they just haven't said much about him period and he, we don't yeah we know his mom's dead but again we didn't get that kind of the revelation with his dad and all that so uh, so and his dad wasn't near yeah. death like he's he, they just pulled up on moraine and she just healed them he's like all right you're so healed matt Jack, matt oh matt now oh matt where we're at oh, in the books, no. matt, may, matt may be my favorite character so this is this has hurt me a little because i think he's the one they've done the, the dirtiest here the so, absolute dirtiest in the books matt is like a he is like this trickster kind of prankster guy but in a very um mm. like juvenile way like they don't look at it it's not like when people get mad at him it's almost not like, oh, he's such a menace to our little town here. It's more like, are you going to fucking grow up already? Like, why are you acting like such a child? Yeah, being like, yeah. You're, only, you're 20 years old. Like, you're going to get married, so that. be an adult. Whereas in this one, they just made him, like, kind of a scumbag. He's just robbing He just steals people. from people and sells it to, to Fane, to Pitt and Fane. All, and, and he does it all the time. It seems to be as it's, well, not seems to. It's, I guess, not, like, his choice. But they've made it, it's because he needs to do so to support his family because his parents are like drunks um which is just not in the books his dad's like, his dad's like a skis yeah. bag even though in the like they just like spoilers for shadow rising for like the next uh, minute when i'm speaking from here right now perrin goes back to two rivers and tom and his dad are like super cool and try to free them from like yeah the white cloaks he's a good guy and everyone's like oh he's yeah. like a good person who can fight well like, dad you need to is find him. Like a leader is, is very competent and is like a leader in the community and he just he actually is just like a, a successful horse trader he's just like good at he's like real good at mm-hmm. it they are, i guess are pretty well off his sisters i think are older than they're presented um he's got he's got he's got like three especially or four of them, because like he is older in this than he is in the books and yet his sisters seem younger um his mother mm-hmm. is just like a, a good normal mother like they they gave him this this like tragic home life which is bad and weird and again you can't do the two rivers plot really with Perrin later because what are you even gonna very, do like it's a very strange choice to have him like have bad parents for some reason again it's not what this is the story is supposed to be it it's like these, that doesn't make him innocent if his parents like, are bad and he steals it's not about these like tragic characters like going on this journey it's about yeah like innocent character like just really simple kind of guys it's like the exact hobby like flip his motivations on their head which is that he, he kind of is like two minds about it, i guess there is an element in the in early mm. but at the same time he also has this desire to see he more than any of them because he has this like adventurous kind of spirit and he's like this gambler and all this he does want to see the world more and like that's his kind of thing is every time he's like i kind of want to go back he's like yeah but there's so much of the world to see and like i love this and i don't know how they're gonna do that when in this in the show here he has like an actual valid serious reason for needing to return home which is that his sisters really do seem to need him because his parents are not competent enough to take care of them not at all and like they literally might like 
be harmed if he's not there to help. So I don't know how they're. You want to be like, oh, come on, Matt, come on, you, you can't, you can't run away. But at the same time, you're. I'm sitting here like, well, no, he probably should. Yeah, he's, he's not, not running away from like his desk. He's like, he's not. He's running away from like responsibility that he understands he has, which is already like the whole point is that he has to learn responsibility and like to not be like a kid and like a, a juvenile. It's just. And then, and then. Oh, don't even say his name. I can't. I can't do it. They did my man. Oh, I know you're gonna say. I'd argue they did my boy Perrin the dirtiest. So you're, what did they do to my boy? Perrin is your favorite. He's so good. He Shadow Rising is so good. His part in Shadow Rising is some of my my favorite parts of the series. This is truly, definitely. Like you're right. I said they did Matt dirtiest. I was wrong. I was. I was. I was blind about my pride, my my personal love for Matt Coffin. Yeah. They, I mean, he's great. I love Matt too. This he's is great. certainly, yeah, the like most just objectively terrible thing they changed about the show. They changed like literally everything about him. Like, there's nothing. Like, it's it's very very bad for a number of reasons. So basically, what we're referring to is he has a wife. He has this the series married with him being married. Now, I suppose that it makes enough sense from the perspective of this world they're living in, right? Again. Because they started the series with them all being a little older, it makes even less sense that they're not married yet. So it makes it makes enough sense that Perrin has a wife. Fine. Now the fact yeah. that it's a character that doesn't exist in the books is uh whatever, right? So I'm sitting here, I don't know about you, Jeff, but I'm like, oh my god, what the fuck? They gave Perrin a wife? Dude, I couldn't believe I was like, what are they gonna like what are they gonna do? How, then, why would he leave it? She's also a blacksmith, which is confusing to me because I I don't know. You seem to interpret it differently, so I could—I I certainly could be wrong. But it's—it took me aback that they do not show Perrin blacksmithing at all in the first episode. They show his wife blacksmithing, which to me almost implies that she's a blacksmith and he is not, which is a very would be a very very strange change. I can't imagine they did just because it's so essential to his character. But it's—it's it's weird that they never show him doing it. Like his wife doesn't have to be a blacksmith. It's a very weird choice. I don't. Yeah. I, I, the whole point is that like Perrin is like massive, which he is in the show. Like he's a really big dude. He's broad. He's strong. He's. I mean, he doesn't. He's not like ripped in the show, but it's whatever. I can. I can suspend my disbelief and all that. But point is that like blacksmithing is very difficult work. Yeah. Um. So he's like got. He's he's muscular and and strong from doing it all day. Um. So it's weird that his like tiny little wife is also doing the blacksmithing. Like I don't know. I don't and, know. He, and he's and then another thing in the book is that he's an apprentice. Right. That's one of the big things. And then again, I guess also, he's, I'm not, he's being older. Just, I don't, and then he kills his wife. Well, yeah, what? So. What the fuck was even? The I was point? just gonna what? say, like, <sighs> I just think they should have shown him being the black because it was clearly meant to establish. I guess establish. I think what we were meant to understand from that is that their relationship isn't very good because he's just like hanging out at the bar without her, and they're like, "Hey, where's your wife, man?" And he's like, oh, "I don't know," and then she's just working. Like, why isn't she at the bar with them? Like, I think that's the implication. Correct? I must be. They yeah, have a weird, not super solid relationship. I don't know why that wasn't presented as Perrin doing the blacksmithing or her just doing anything else. Like, I don't, again, it's weird that yeah, they literally anything. Had. I guess I'm focusing too much on that, but still. But yes, the more egregious, awful thing is that this, this is maybe, Jack, one of the worst examples of um, the trope of fridging that I have ever seen in my goddamn life. Oh, yeah. They fucking fridge her hard. Um, for those who don't know, fridging is this, like, trope in media basically anything yeah any kind of like fiction where you establish 
a character, generally, it's generally a, a woman, but like a female love interest to a man, and their sole purpose as a character is to be killed to provide development. Motivation. Development, motivation, whatever it may be, to the character. And this is that to a T. They literally created oh, yeah. a new character for this show who was not existent in the books that they are adapting for the sole purpose of killing her in episode one to give Perrin, like, depth. And it's terrible. It's it's so bad. And I it, that's bad. And I hate it. And it's just ruined so many things for him going forward. But you know what's the worst thing? That I just... They ruined the wolf magic. The wolf magic they is didn't. very strange. They fuck like they don't do the wolf the um whatever his name is. I don't he hasn't shown up in five books, I don't remember his name. But the guy he the like the guy who teaches him about it mm-hmm. doesn't show up. I just I'm still I holding guess. out hope that that like can you know, he can show up at some point. I hope so. They're already with the tinkers, so yeah, who even they, fucking again, knows? The order's kinda off, but I, I'm so I'm holding out hope that he will show up because like he, he really isn't essential to that because you need someone to explain to Perrin what's going on with him. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a terrible I think again, objectively bad to have to introduce this character of his wife just for him to kill her. I guess it kind of makes sense from his character because part of this char- his character here throughout the book which he ties in sort of thematically with the whole wolf stuff is that he has this thing where in the heat of battle he will go into this kind of like flying rage. Yeah. Um that's this that's that is important to his character and it's something yeah. that he, and he he always talks about before he even gets to wolf magic how he's always been bigger. Like he's always been physically larger but but everyone but Rand which you can't really see in this, but in the books, Rand is like 6'5". He's massive. Rand is massively tall, but he's not very buff. And Perrin is like 6'3", 6'2", and is ripped from doing metalworking all day. And he's always been really big. That's why he did this job. That's why he decided to be a blacksmith, because he's already been big. And he's always been, had to be careful with everyone else, because he could like break yeah. something. So he's always been like holding himself back. And then, he like learned- you said, when he goes into battle, he becomes a yeah. berserker because, like, he can't, like, he's just free to do whatever he wants, and the wolf he magic has- feeds him. Yeah. Basically, he learns early on in life that because he's so much bigger than all the other kids, he has to be careful because he could hurt somebody, right? Mm-hmm. But in battle, yeah, he obviously has, like, he kind of consciously has to turn that off because he has to go all out. To win, and, to survive. Yeah, and so it's, like, this, this dichotomy of him, and obviously when you add in all the wolf stuff, there's, like, this fear that if he gives in too completely, he will essentially like lose his mind to become a wolf. Again, yeah. they haven't got much into the wolf stuff, so I guess I, I will reserve judgment on that for a little longer. But the wife thing is, t- it's, it is, I, again, I think objectively bad. I agree. The fridging trope is like a, a awful trope that should not be used anymore. It's been used too much in shit already. There's a reason that it's like, there's a reason that it has a name. Mm. It's not looked on positively. And again, I, this is literally maybe the worst example of it that I can even imagine is creating a character out of whole cloth just to kill in this way. In the first episode. Because the thing, again, it's very weird because I don't know what they, what they were going for with this because everything that we just described about Perrin's arc happens in the books without the need for this character, right? You don't need to have him kill a wife for him to like understand all this about himself. He can just be like a person and think about it for a little bit. I guess he doesn't, because he doesn't have inner monologue, they're like, man, how do we convey this? I guess we'll just have him murder his wife on screen. That'll be very, that'll be real easy for us. It's just, it's awful. That that is a, again, I said it several times now, but that is an objectively worse decision. I, I, not to, not to cut this, uh, this 
conversation short, but yeah, let's do let's do any other big points you have because I feel like we're kind of spinning our wheels with being like this yeah. was awful and this is not like the books and probably well, right. I think we have, we'll have plenty of that in the next five weeks. So we I got say, we got some much yeah. more happier things to talk about. So yeah. let's say your last thing and we can probably move on. Again, I just, I have written here like it feels cheap. Like it's it's crazy. Again, it's crazy. Me, this costs ten million dollars because it looks it looks bad. Like even if this was flawless, or obviously if it's flawless, like story wise, you can forgive more things. But this is a this is a fucking losing combo right here, my boy. Oh yeah, of really poor choices story wise and this bizarrely cheap feeling production. Um, yeah, again, they just have yeah, parents' wife bad. Matt's family, bad. Matt being a scumbag, bad. Pacing in the order of episode one, bad. Um, it's weird that they made the Aes Sedai kind of like actually evil. Yeah. That story that um, Nynaeve has about the former wisdom went went all the way to the White Tower and they turned her away is not accurate to how True. they act in not the how books. The, um, they, sort of the idea of the Aes Sedai in the books is that like they're, they're complicated, basically. Like there is no one right down the middle of them. They are that that whole thing, and they, they do talk about this in the, in the show here, that whole idea of they are manipulating the whole world, that the Aes Sedai are the most powerful group in all of the world, and they really do kind of, like, puppet heads of state across the world. Essentially, every... They, they you know, they don't hold actual power themselves, but through their influence, they, they do exert control over the whole world. That's true, and, like, they do it mm-hmm. for their means, whatever that may be. You know, you can we can kind of believe that they're doing it for the good of the world, but no one but them can know. So, like, that, that whole right. element of them is true. But it's also true that they are, most of them, down to an individual level. Obviously, like, the Red Aja are a whole thing, and eventually, like, they they're literally are, you know, traitor, I said I. But as a general rule, they are actually good individuals, and the stories that all the children have heard throughout their lives are wrong. Like, that's kind of a part of the first couple books is, like, all these stories of Aes Sedai being these like evil witch kind of monsters is not it's not manipulating true. Baba Yaga esque yeah. monsters. On an individual level, they are trying to do good. And one of the things that is true about the White Tower in the books is that they don't turn anyone away. Um well they might turn men away, but women, they do not turn away. If you come to the Aes, the Aes Sedai and you are a woman and you ask for help, they will let you in no matter what it is. Like that's just a true thing. Yeah, for it. Again, it's like part of the you know interesting part of the first book is because they have such a they live such a you know separated existence like we keep talking about here because they live so far out in the middle of nowhere they don't even know if I said I are real right they live so far away from Tarvalin that they don't even know um so I don't know it's just a weird uh weird choice they made as well I don't know what that is gonna how that's gonna play yeah, out they they, yeah, they we didn't even talk about Nynaeve's character how they changed her but I like. We'll talk about it next week. We'll have a whole other episode to be mad about with Logan because they're doing Logan stuff. So we'll guess, see how that goes. Do you do you have anything positive you want to say? I think the magic looks fine. I think the magic looks fine. I I, I have nothing else to say. I really like nothing that's not negative. Honestly, like it's just I'd really wanted to like this, and like I thought, like oh maybe I'm just maybe it's just that I know the books that I don't like this. And now talking about it out with you, it's not. It's just bad. I really wanted to like it. And just, I, it's just, uh. but let's hack attack, putting the kibosh on it. We have five more weeks of this to complain. Let's go something much higher spirits. Let's do trailer trash, trailer yeah, cash. Baby. Oh yeah, baby. Right. None of it last week, bunch of it, the two of them this week. We got our second Spider-Man No Way Home trailer and it made me much more confident in the movie. I gotta say off the bat. Okay. That's good. I don't know if it made me much more confident. Yeah, like, um. I don't know. It kind of. I'm not gonna lie, Jack. I'm not. I'm not like 
worse off now. But uh, watching this trailer, I was kind of like, I, I can see, I don't know, some of my apprehensions are uh, on display here, I would say. Okay, that is fair. I will not say that I am completely like, this totally can't be a clusterfuck, because there's a very big chance this thing is not going to fucking work. If anything, um, very high one chance. of my complaints is like even worse in this trailer. All right, so let's get it. Let's, let's stop talking. Oh, really? Weird. Uh, let's get into it. Illusion. So the thing I'm talking about yeah. <laughs> in particular is Doctor Strange in this trailer is even like even weirder than he's been in the last one. He's oh yeah. Don't, I will say when he says Scooby Doo, the Scooby Doo line, I was like, what is this? Who wrote this line? This character at this point, it seemed. I don't. It's very strange. It. I guess I'm. I'm either leaning more towards like that idea of maybe he really is like not. Doctor Strange, there's, there's some tomfoolery going on here with like someone's impersonating him. Yeah. Or they've just they they're not good at writing him. He's not acting like Doctor Strange. It's very weird. Yeah. I, I, we talk about it off pod how like it's it's kind of like it, the Occam's razor of it, where it's like oh everyone's trying to be like well it must be Mephisto or it must be Nightmare or it must be ten other guys who are, can do like magic and can change their appearance or the not as fun yeah. answer, but the more likely one is that they just didn't write him very well. He's just a bad yep. character in this movie. It's like, oh, wait, I don't want to accept. Like, that's something we want. And I will say I do like the Scooby-Doo line was like, what is he doing? Up until that line, I'm like, all right, Doctor Strange is kind of acting how I think. Like, he's trying to restore the balance. Like, he okay. Let's get into the specifics here. This trailer seems to suggest that the the central kind of conflict to this movie is actually that Peter is trying to, um, you know, orchestrate some way in which none of the villains have to die because all of the villains, and we talked about this, all of the villains dead. from the Raimi and Garfield movies who are jumping over here die in those movies. And Dr. Strange mm-hmm. in this trailer says it to him, he's like, yeah, these people all die fighting Spider-Man. That's their destiny. And Peter is is not okay with that. This this version of Peter Parker is not does not co-sign that one. Which and and that's what and honestly that part is what made me kind of more confident because it it kind of helped figure out because I for the longest time I was like what the hell is this movie I said I listen back on the show I say multiple times when this comes up I go what the hell is this movie even going to be about like what's the plot like what is the problem and this makes more sense they're all coming to his universe and they all are supposed to be dead but they're not okay yeah I can I can drive with that. But Doctor Strange is like, this is wrong. They have to go back, and the universe isn't like that they're all here because they're supposed to die. And, you know, Peter Parker's a good person. That all makes sense to me. I you know? Agree. So that's what made me more confident. It's, especially... Uh, it still could not work. <laughs> especially because that, that, that all checks out. This version of Peter Parker has never killed anybody. He's not no. like the Garfield, uh, McGuire versions. Have just McGuire. checked off their villains, wanted to cross them off like a like a checklist as they move through. The- yeah, they're like, all right, got the weird goblin guy. He hasn't. He like that's a big uh, part of the climax of Homecoming, right? He like very much does not want Vulture to die. He does not want mm-hmm. Mysterio to die. Mysterio he die. doesn't kill anybody in even his Avengers movies appearances. Like he because he is like the. This is the version in the movies that they've, I think, leaned most into, like, trying to really make him feel like he's a young kid. It's understandable that as a 15-year-old, well, he's not 15 anymore, but whatever, as as a young kid like he is, I mean, he's not that much younger than us. You, you get what I'm saying. He wouldn't want to be killing people. Yeah, yeah. 
So, I mean, if someone told me to kill six yeah, guys, I'd be, be like, I don't really want to. Do I have to? Yeah, but weird. Especially if they were like, hey, other versions of you have killed these six guys. Now you got to do it. And I was like, I don't know, man. That doesn't, I don't like that very much. So, that is all cool. But the way Doctor Strange is acting is it's really weird, man. He he, It almost seems like they're Not... setting it up where he's the antagonist. Like, yeah. I don't uh, don't know how to feel about that. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, like just his dialogue, just from the little we've seen, is I don't know, man. It's not even like it's like he's a bad guy. Some of it's just yeah, bad. Right. Scooby Doo line. What? 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 Is, who wrote that? Who went? That's what Doctor yeah. Strange should say. Why do you? What are you talking? Why would you talk like that? Yeah, I don't I, know. I don't, I don't know. It's well, very. And but I've I've seen like conflicting people think that like because uh, obviously Norman Osborn or. I should say, Willem Dafoe's Norman Osborn is obviously in this movie, mm-hmm. Green Goblin, and people think that he's gonna kind of rally the villains, like he's gonna manipulate them into That's doing what he wants because he talks to Peter. Like, there's the line where he talks mm-hmm. to Peter, and you know, that makes sense. Well, so let's, let's um, also let's those two other fucking Spider-Man. They're yeah, in, they gotta like, be right. That's on. I think that's what's uh, being implied by the the very end there. Doctor Strange is like, they're coming, I can't stop them. Yeah. I think he's referring to the Spider-Man. I well, I, actually, that's oh. not what I mean. I think that's different. Uh, so what I'm referring there's two things that have been going on. I don't know if you've seen a lot of these. Uh, with the okay, well, what I think the purple thing is is I think they're like extra dimensional beings who live out who like I don't know TVA kind of motherfuckers who are like this is wrong. We're gonna kill this universe and get rid of it or something. Oh. Something's being drawn there. A, like a Doctor Strange level threat is being drawn to Earth because all these other universes are like folding in on each other. Like something's going wrong. And they gotta stop that. That's why he's there, and that's why he's like Peter. You have to do this, or we're that all gonna be, die. I mean, that would be very like large scale for a Spider-Man movie. I mean, we're already there. But that's that's like, true. But they that did put Doctor Strange nice. in it, though. Beyond the pale. Okay, I, that I is guess true. I, let me just clarify that real quick. I don't necessarily think that that scene is literally that. I think that they right, right. They want us to think that, though. I think that's what the trailer is trying to do. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I think they're trying to make. I think what we're supposed yeah. to we're supposed to hear him say that, and you're supposed to think, ah, he's talking about the other Spider Man. That's that's all I think. That's all I think about that. Okay, yeah, I understand. And so I don't know if you saw this, but in the Brazilian cut of this trailer that was released in like oh Sony Brazil, when when they all jump at each other, like the, the like it's Sandman, Electro, and Lizard all jumping at Tom Holland, quote unquote. You can't see my quotations because audio. There's a scene where it cuts at a certain point and all the other versions, except for Brazil, where it plays for like three seconds longer. And in that three seconds, Lizard's head snaps the opposite direction that he's moving. Like he's been kicked in the oh. face by somebody, but there's nobody there who could have kicked him in the face. So, and it's and I don't think that exists anymore. Oh. I think they took it down, but that is like I think or I don't know if it's been taken. I couldn't find it is what I'm trying to say. I couldn't find it. I looked, I looked for it on YouTube. I only found people like reacting to it. I couldn't find the actual trailer, so they might have taken it down. But obviously, well, people so have like cut it out. Start why this here, Jacko? Because we haven't actually said it out loud here. A lot of the the villains have been confirmed. So yeah, I, I was fucking yeah. right. I was right. Can, well, I will. I'm gonna dig. Don't don't. You... I okay. Now hold on. Now here's what I'll say. I remember after the end of Loki, and you can listen back to the Once the Future Kang episode five. I said all the all the rumors about Spider-Man are true. All the villains are going to be in it. Electro's in it. Lizard's in it. They're all in it. And you said no. And you you fought me on no, it. I did. I, I, Take that. Take saying. that. That's all I yeah, want to say. Right. You, 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 you but yeah, they're all just they're all just in it. Huh? So this trailer has confirmed. I, I can't imagine there's any more villains waiting the wings, right? Venom. Oh. 
Oh, it makes uh-huh. me scared. Wait, I, it makes me so nervous. As time's gone on, I've, I've uh, shifted on that a little. I, I don't know if Venom is actually going to be in this movie or if the post credit of scene of Venom 2 there is setting up something else. But that's beside the point. But So this trailer, we, we already knew Doc Ock and the implication of Green Goblin. But this trailer definitively shows us straight up Doc Ock from obviously the Raimi, Sandman, Willem Dafoe, Green Goblin, as well as Electro and Lizard from uh the Garfield movies and maybe I don't know do you know anything about this is the that, Hobgoblin yeah, thing so is that uh Dane DeHaan Green Goblin from uh The Amazing Spider-Man or is that Jeez. who uh, James Franco James Franco is it are you talking about the scene where he flies down it's like a very brief scene and he's not wearing a yeah. helmet yeah I that's what I was thinking I was thinking there's going to be a sixth guy we haven't seen and I think I think it might be another one of the Green it's Goblins gonna, yeah, it's, it's going to be, be two goblins either Dane DeHaan yeah, I think it might be Dane DeHaan because he's the only one who said that I'm definitively not in it. He went, I'm not in it. Stop asking. My mom keeps asking me. So he might huh. just be in it. Or, I mean, be, I guess it could be just funny. be the creep, just Willem Dafoe without his helmet on. That's what I was thinking. It might just be him. I don't know. I, I, I've gone back and forth. At first, I thought, like, I don't know. I'm not. I guess we'll just have to wait for in a month yeah. for it to come out to know for sure. Um, so, yeah, I don't a lot, man. Between these two, I have a very... A very good idea of this whole this whole trailer right or this this movie like i talked about this last time and this is like done a lot more plot and exposition this was a three oh, yeah. minute long trailer another like there's six minutes of this movie Clearly. summarized i like how they made electro look he's got the tims yeah. and he's not blue thank god yeah he's he's interesting i don't know a lot of people are saying like it's a definite like our our yeah, basically saying they like it a, a whole ton better. I don't hate how he looks in the Amazing Spider-Man too. Um, so I don't, I don't know. It's it's a it's a big departure. I I like how in the trailer he gets like a, the lightning goes over his face and like the that classic fun, um, sure. comic costume thing. I thought that was kind of fun. It's kind of weird because in some ways they like made him less comic booky because when he doesn't have lightning, he's just in like civvies, right? Yeah, it is weird That's that he's true. wearing Timberlands. Like I don't know. I mean, he's just a, well, he's just a like working man. Commit. It's like we, we took him out of his pure electricity form that he is in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 because uh, we want him to do like a more classic comic book. But they couldn't commit to that either. So they're just like, all right, we'll just have the lightning be in the shape. Like, what is Come on. What is that about? Yeah. Like, I mean, the co- the original costume looks fucking goofy. You know, put Jimmy Fox in a Because everyone else looks greeted. the same. You know? Like, they didn't put lizard in some purple pants and a and a lab coat even though they should have didn't make his they didn't make his face look right he's still got a weird goomba face um like if anyone needed yeah not like how anyone needed a redesign it was that guy he's the same but let's put some tims on electro (laughs) (laughs) maybe jimmy fox is like i'm not being blue put me give me tims they're like all right jamie put me in the movie or not i don't care (laughs) i'm jamie fox I was in Django. Did you see Django? I was. I won an Oscar for Ray. Come on, I'm not being blue again. <laughs> God damn it, Tim and Fucky, I'm not gonna be blue. Uh, and another thing, another thing I wanted to say uh, about like the scene things where they're like the Invisible Spider-Man is the scene in the trailer when they're when the, the the three of them are like you know Spider-Man three, Zendaya, Tom Holland, and whoever plays Ned. I don't know why I said their actors' names. I just said Ned, uh, Peter, and uh, MJ. But when they're standing in that room. And they're quote unquote talking to Doctor Octopus, Doc Ock, and they say, "What's your name?" And they're like, "Otto Octavius." And they laugh and they go, "No, what's your actual name?" And I've seen people been saying that those two scenes are shot very differently. Like when it cuts, it looks like they're in two different locations, and people think that they're actually two different scenes. And obviously, both scenes involve names, 
And in the Dr. Octavius scene, it's him being captured by maybe the other villains, like Green Goblin, because his claws aren't in attack mode, because Peter Parker's not around. And in the Tom Holland scene, they're talking to one of the other, or both of the Spider-Men. Okay. The other ones, because they say, what's your name? And they'll respond with Peter Parker, and they go, haha, very funny. No, what's your actual right. name? So it'll be something like that, which, okay. I mean, makes People, sense to me. Let's talk about that. People are very bothered by that scene. Um, have you seen this? Uh-oh. No, I have not. I don't know if people were bothered really by it. People like that they're making fun of Doc Ock's name. Because uh, basically, it's, it's kind of a, you know, the whole Marvel's too jokey thing. Um, people are basically like, how, how is Marvel going to make a movie and make fun of their own source material? Like, if they can't take it serious, they can't even take it seriously. Like, come on, guys. Like, why does everything have to be a joke? Why can't we just accept that the, the octopus man's called Octo Octavius? What the fuck? And like being all like, uh, how come? How come they have to? Why does Why does Disney have to make it a joke about everything? It's, it's basically that kind of vibe of like, yeah. Why are they gonna make it a joke? Audiences accepted, you know, years ago that he's called Otto Octavius, and they didn't say anything. Uh, uh, newsflash, buddy. In Spider-Man Two, they literally make a joke about that. Yeah, newsflash, dickhead. They do. That <laughs> J.K. Every Simmons time. is like, like well, what are the odds? A man called Otto Octavius has got eight limbs. He literally says that exact thing. Like, come on. Even if that's yeah. if if that oh. scene is directly how it appears in the trailer, and they're laughing at him because he's an octopus man called Otto Octavius, that's fine because it's ridiculous. Yeah, and another thing is like I don't know if those guys have read a Spider-Man comic. One of the fucking cornerstones of Spider-Man's character is that he makes fun of everyone he fights. Outside of any other character, he's the one who makes fun of everyone and their names. And like what they do. So much so that in the superior Spider-Man storyline, where Doc Ock takes over Peter Parker's brain and is Spider-Man for a little bit, when he takes it back and fights Green Goblin, he makes a joke about Green Goblin and Goblin went, it's like, he knows immediately that it's Peter Parker. He's like, it's like, you. Scared. Like, I know it's you. He's like, oh shit, this is real Spider-Man. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, it's a great scene. Yeah. He's like, oh, Oh, it's you. He's like, oh, of course it's me. That's the whole point. It's like, Spider-Man does that. Yeah, so it's no, really it's just annoying. Um, well, that's thing I want to touch on. The scene where NJ is falling, um, and it's very reminiscent of the Gwen Stacy falling thing. And the MJ fall from the Raimi movies? I don't think there's anything to that. Uh, people are like, oh, are they going to kill MJ? They're going to do the Gwen Stacy death for MJ? So, no, because... I think we're meant... Hey, right, once again, I think that they want us to think that. I think that's why it's in the trailer. I think that's why mm-hmm. it's presented that way, but I don't think that's going to happen. It would be really fucking grim if Tom Holland's potential last movie ended with MJ dying. Him killing the yeah, yeah, killing a classic, like, accidentally break her neck thing. That would be horrible. So I don't think they should do that, and I don't think they are. So I think yeah. we're just meant to, like, say that. I saw, actually, a really cool thing, which I actually would really like, is someone said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if in that scene it looks like he's not going to be, he isn't going to be able to save her. And, and one of the Garfield other Spider-Men do? Because Garfield save his Gwen Stacy, but he can save her. I was like, that would be, that would be cool, like, poetically. Um, yeah, I've, I've seen so stuff I would, like that I well. would like that a lot, but I don't think, I do not think under any circumstances she's going to die. No, um, me neither. She's probably going to live. So, yeah. I guess it was trailer cash, Jack, because you were correct about all the villains being in it. You're right. They just threw them all in. Oh, yeah. the, I, I, unbelievably, they actually just put Lizard in for some reason. Nobody's favorite Spider-Man. <laughs> they were, like, he's, he literally has to be, of nobody's. all the movies, the most lukewarm villain, right? Lizard from Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. It, like, without a Without a doubt, right? Very odd. Here's a fun thing. I've never even seen those Amazing Spider-Man Ooh. movies. That is fun, Jack. 
It's so fun. You never, never seen either of them. That we talk about. That's that's very. But, they're not even good. That's very they're fun not, for me, Jack. No, that's actually. <laughs> what? Oh, I mean, they're not terrible. The second one's kind of terrible. It's not fun. Why would <laughs> wow, you say a... it's fun though? You should have just took that to your grave. You got to stop telling me that you don't watch any of the movies we talk about. I haven't seen Spider-Man three of the Raimi movies. God, Jack, what are you doing? What is this I... show? This is a sham, Jack. <laughs> We're lying to these people. <laughs> How is this shame? We just talked about Wheel of Time for like an hour and a half or hour 15 We're or some shit. We're not lying to anybody. Calm down. Keep so it in your pants. I guess it Jesus. gets to be trailer trash or trailer cash because you I was it. right. But unfortunately, there's no Tobey Maguire still. So it's got to trailer trash. And for my another reason, uh, Doctor Strange is written well, he's very written strangely. Like trash, so it's trailer trash for that. If not garbage. <laughs> he made a trash ass joke. Oh, right. trash for that. All right, so Big then let's trash. talk about the much much less to talk about. Uh, Halo Paramount Plus teaser. So, why the fuck is this a show? So why? why? This is that's a good topic. It's a good thing. To, uh, let's talk about that. So basically, this this is like a nothing. It really is just a teaser. It's just uh, John One One Seven, the Master Chief. You see him all scarred up and like stuff, and he's putting the armor on. And they're like, "You ready to be? You ready to be the Master Chief? You ready to do Halo? Let Let's do Halo." <laughs> But I get what you mean, Jack. This is a thing I've said before. I don't know if I've said it. I think I have said it on the show, maybe. But video games are such a weird thing to adapt to me. I, I, I've said this, right? Like, I, have you, I, I remember books, you saying it. you know, like comics even. There's something to be gained from adapting them to film. Or to film, TV, whatever. It's the same thing, right? To the screen. Because you're gaining something. Yeah. But video games are already a medium that utilizes like sound and visuals and everything like oh yeah and you can actually yeah, control what happens like they're maybe people don't like appreciate this about modern video games but they are there's a lot of work that goes into them right there there is like film level sound design and like like visual effects and everything that goes into making a, a cinematic yeah. video game so i kind of get what you mean they do mocap yeah, exactly. and everything so i kind of get what you mean of like what's this show going to be about because if they just do the the games we all know those stories because we played them yeah what are you doing with the halo fucking books you joke i think so i think this is likely to cover like master chief's origin and stuff yeah. which to me is one of the more kind of interesting sides of that world because it's so so terrible Incredibly it's like fucked. We, we talked about this off pod it's like ender's game that we talked about a couple weeks back but, but worse way worse like uh, unbelievable like unbelievably think, worse and like we didn't really talk about this when we talked about ender's game but like because I've been getting into Halo recently as well because of the the new game. I think Ender's Game, or obviously Ender's Game's older, so I think Ender's Game was a big source of inspiration for the Halo universe because there's a lot of obviously similarities, right? Um, it's it's you know humanity is locked in this life or death total war with an alien race and all this, and uh, yeah. yeah, the character of Ender, like that whole situation, this idea of training these these children to be your soldiers is very reminiscent of the Spartans, but it's like, again, so much worse in Halo because instead of training their minds, like, instead of training commanders, they're they're making weapons. Yeah, they're making, like, the perfect soldiers. And it's like, it's really brutal on them. So, they take them from their families, they just tell them that their kids are dead. No. Like, yeah, your kid's dead. Oops. It's much worse. Oh, wait, don't they, they, re- replace, they them replace them? With, them? Yeah, they replace them with Flash clones that die shortly thereafter. So, you, like, you like oh, go into your kid's bedroom in the next morning after they've kidnapped them and they're like unresponsive and like they looks like your kid and I guess genetically it's the same but it's just like this weird like imperfect not 
really functioning human and then it dies and then you're just like fuck i guess my kid died mysteriously and in reality they're off halfway across the galaxy being like experimented on being modified genetic like that's why he's got all the scars dogmentation scars it's terrible (laughs) it really is it's like incredibly immoral especially because and it'd be cool if they got if they really are adept in the books and stuff they got into this is um the the most fucked thing about that is there's this whole thing uh, this is kind of like something of an argument um like the halo kind of community of like was it justified and obviously like the yeah sort of in favor side you say the spartans saved mankind right without um master chief humanity would have died like we would have lost the war to the covenant or even worse the covenant would have activated the halo array and destroyed all sentient life in the galaxy so it you know it's kind of like the ultimate ends justify the means but something Mm -hmm. that like lore wise the spartans were not created to fight the covenant they were created to fight human insurrection because yeah, because the human race is so far yeah. spread like, um the unsc rules the colony worlds with such like a brutal uh like totalitarian iron fist that dozens of the um colony worlds are in rebellion and form like united insurrection fronts <laughs> and the sparts were created to smush those like just crush them so the Spartans were not created to defend humanity from an alien threat. They were created to kill other humans, which is... They'd be super yeah, cops. Yeah, exactly. So it's pretty... It's, it's messed up, man. Just, uh, but yeah, we're big so. Halo guys. We got Halo. Is cool. Yeah, I like Halo. Some nerd shit. Played some Halo. Played all, play all, some, all four Halo. Yeah, Good we're stuff. all about Halo. We were going to talk about Halo. Oh. We're going to play Halo together and talk about it, but turns out the co-op the new game will not be out until like mid or not mid but like spring of next year or maybe it li- oh my that far yeah. away oh they're my releasing Lord. the campaign without co-op and they're adding in the co-op later which because nobody can finish video games because they're not done with it i guess i don't know Jesus. how you can be done with the campaign but not the co-op that seems like it should be a neat i i think it's because <laughs> this new game is like more open world and less linear so i guess that Open. Uh, I guess I that guess. Um, strange for, requires a little more like work on their part to make it co-op friendly. I, I really don't know. It's it's pretty disappointing though. But mm. we might still do that eventually, and I probably will talk about it regardless when it comes out. But yeah. Um, so trailer cash because Halo, Halo's uh, cool. He he's he's the boy. It is John Wall Seven. He's it is the Master Chief. Yeah, he's so. the, he's the Master um, Chief. Trailer trash. Trailer because tr- no. Um. Why does it exist? I was gonna say no big TD AI goth GF, but that also. I mean, I guess if you want to get like real read. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to get real on no the show. AI goth GF. So yeah. So what's even well, the point right. of living? I assume she'll be in it at some point. That's the one. But where the heck is Cortana? I hope so. Where's my blue AI GF? Come on. Come on. So yeah, that was our world famous segment. Trailer cash or trailer trash? That's Derek trash. Now moving on. I can take out of that. Hot guys next week. week, and I made you read. Yay. Uh, the Mac Faction, David Aja run of Hawkeye, which I really like. Um, yeah. Actually, a lot of people really like. You always make fun of me for my comic choices. Um, you say I'm weird. I do, because they're bad. They're not even obscure. Last week, you said they were all obscure. I mean, you read obscure. I'm... All right. They're well known. This run has, uh, it's, you know, even now is only like five, six years old, but even at the time, like year, like, as it was coming out, it was being referred to as an instant classic, and I think it is. I think it's really, really good. 
um, and it's clearly a big inspiration for the Hawkeye show here. Now, it's not, I guess this is another thing of, like, it's not going to be a big influence, like, plot-wise and character-wise because of the differences right. of Hawkeye in the MCU versus in the comics, but definitely visually, definitely a lot of, like, action scenes and stuff seem to be taken pretty much, like, right from it. The dog is from it, so, yeah. The guys in the, the jumpsuit yeah, the guys are from it. The villains do seem to be kind of from it, and presumably it's going to be a different sort of way, but yeah. So what did what did you think of the comic, Jack? That was no. terrible. Worst thing God. I've ever read. I hope you didn't burn burn no. my copies I lent you. No, no. I'm going to wait till I, I accidentally gave you two of them back, so I'm going to wait till I have all four of them uh, together, and then, and I'll then burn you will them burn them once okay. in front of you. Understand. Understand. that your house. Understand. No, of course. I, I, all kidding aside, I did very much enjoy it. It so, was very good. this Hawkeye is like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Basically, people, again, I think because this is such a popular run, people act like this is the default sort of version of Hawkeye. I would argue that it's not. Um, Matt Fraction did kind of switch things up and and put his own spin on the character, as every comic writer ever does. Uh, So, you know, I'm not trying to to play or anything, but people act as if this is like the definitive one. And a lot of people for them now, it is sort of the definitive version of Hawkeye is like human dumpster fire Clint Barton. (laughs) Yeah, uh, really. but he's not always been that way. Um, I've, I told you, I don't know if we signed the show, but he has at various points been leader of like Avengers teams and stuff. Like he's he's mo- mostly been a pretty put together guy. Um, but Matt mm-hmm. Fraction, I think I think the general idea is probably Hawkeye is like the most layman of all the Avengers, as in he does not have powers, right? And even compared yeah. to like Black Widow, he does not have this like tragic brainwashed raised to be an assassin kind of backstory in the comics his backstory is that he was raised to be a circus performer so <laughs> he's not yeah he he kind of is like the more layman so i think maybe the logic there was hey like let's, what if he just acts like a normal guy or just kind of a normal like layabout dude when he's not working and that's kind of what this is all about ultimately yeah it just kind of hangs out um again i, I I think it is fun, but he has. I do think it like yeah. It it presents not a very favorable view of him as a dude. No, uh, not at all. Uh, he just kind of like fucks around and fucks up a lot. Just not a not yeah, a good look like for he him. He ruins really. all his interpersonal relationships. Um, the various points throughout oh, yeah. this. He doesn't call the cops no. when he should. He loses his wallet. Yeah, he now so a big difference again is because it is different in this run. Kate Barton. Kate Barton. Clint Barton and Kate Bishop have a like established relationship and rapport. Whereas obviously this Hawkeye show is serving as Kate Bishop's introduction to the MCU. So that's a big difference. But so yeah. it, this comic isn't about establishing the relationship. In a lot of ways, it's about how he like ruins it <laughs> almost. Oh yeah, definitely. And kind of pushes her away. Um, she's, I think Kate Bishop's a very interesting character. Do you, what do you think of her? I assume this is the first thing you've really read with her. Uh, no, I'm oh, Young Avengers. So you're all familiar then. But yeah, I'm pretty familiar. But I, I, I mean, I thought she was interesting. I like how she's also kind of a screw up when she goes to LA on her own and she almost like dies because yeah, she's definitely not perfect herself. She is like the opposite end of the spectrum of Clint. Of she's like a spoiled rich kid, so like she's got that to deal with, and, and that that affects how she interacts with people sometimes in a not great way. Oh yeah. Um, what do you think of a uh, pizza dog? P- love. I mean, Lucky, great. Pizza love dog. him. Best He's character. Not. I liked. I, the one part I liked in the comic is the like uh, beginning of the fourth one of Rio Bravo, where uh, 
there's that little like cartoon of like all the Christmas friends. Mm-hmm. And it's like the, the, the Kwanzaa Gator and the Jewish cat, the Meow Nora or whatever the fuck. I thought those were funny. And he's just like a dog. Yeah. It's like, don't do it. Don't, <laughs> hey, stop it. You can't do anything, you stupid dog. He's like, oh, man, I'm really just trying. So that here. is an interesting kind of thing about this run is that um, they do some kind of like interesting concept stuff. First of all, I think the art on it's really great. It's a very like so classically, right? Comic art back in the day. You see like old 60s and 70s art. It's called, um, I believe it's called is it called three color? Because I don't know. You're the one who always says, tells me this. So I think so it's, it's three just three color. color. That's so what back say. in the day, pages or panels or whatever, they would literally only use three colors. and you can like obviously when you look you can kind of see this because shading is kind of like imperfect and it's it's like it you know it looks like that classic very bright poppy comic art where like you know famously for example like i think originally spider-man was supposed to be black yes that's his suit is black and it's under his arms but accent, the, they shaded yeah. it with blue so people just thought it was blue. and everyone's like yeah, oh it's yeah. blue from then on so it's like it, it's stuff like that and he david aja in this um run makes a concerted effort to do that where you can tell on each individual page there is like the same handful of colors are repeated on all the different panels so like yeah it's shading and stuff um i don't even i don't know i'm not an art person i'm not describing this very eloquently but if you look it up you can kind of see what i mean like it's (laughs) he uses he doesn't necessarily color everything exactly the shade and color that you think it is um because it's he's trying to use as few colors as possible to still convey the same stuff, which is an interesting style and it's cool. And they also do kind of creative sort of out there stuff with the story as well in some of the issues. So like one of the issues is from the perspective of the dog. And so there's not oh, really one. any dialogue because he doesn't understand human speech. He's a dog. Pretty fun. <laughs> there's the one issue which like you said, when they go to L.A. or when. Rather, when Kate Bishop goes to L.A., the art style changes for her issues, which is fun. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a really good run. I mean, we don't really need to get into it, you know, just run down issue by issue. But I think it's a solid read. Would you Would you agree? You I would say so. Yeah. I and think, I think, uh, I think because it. it is so different, um, it's it's a safe sort of, you're not going to spoil this show for yourself. So anyone out there who's interested in it, mm. uh, you got a week, I guess. <laughs> uh, Less right. than a week, actually, because this episode comes out on Monday. So you'll have two days from this episode when you listen to this episode. If you listen to it on Monday, so so maybe you've already missed it. You've already missed it. Wait, no, cracking. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. One thing we can say about the Hawkeye show is that uh, Young Avengers probably definitely going to happen now. Sorry about that. Oh oh boy. So I can take out a Hawkeye and Young Avengers. The same. In in interview this week for the Hawkeye show, somebody asked Haley Steinfeld about. about the young avengers and she they're all like sitting together and she turns and looks kevin feige in the eyes upon receiving this question very very clearly to be like kevin can i talk about this which is like actually just about the worst thing you could do in that scenario (laughs) to kevin feige he's like kevin feige's probably so mad that everybody sony's ruining all his secrets his actors are ruining all his secrets like i just want to have my secrets (laughs) i need to have my secrets Secrets. How will anybody get excited if I don't have my secrets? He's basically because she she may as well have just out loud been like, "Hey, Kevin, can I tell them about that Young Avengers show? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna come out like in the next like two years. 
No? Okay, I won't. I don't know what you're yeah. talking about. At first, well, he's like, all right. Well, and she, I didn't, she didn't outright say anything. I guess it could have been worse, but you're like, nah, that is just about the worst thing you could do is ask Kevin Feige yeah. permission. Because you just confirmed this is a project that Kevin Feige knows about and doesn't want me to talk about. Yeah, Kevin Feige has said to me, don't talk about this. Which I made a joke that all the other, like young, like Miss Marvel, especially when her show comes out, She's going to get a, like, they're going to take her into a dark room and be like, all right, if anybody asks you, you say no, or we're taking all your money away, and you'll never see your family again. You'll never be in a, you'll never touch a Disney thing in the rest of your life. You'll never work in this town again. If you can make it through the press tour without any slip-ups, don't mention anything. Don't even look them in the eye. If they, if they ask you about Young Avengers, (laughs) shut down and deflect. And if everything goes off without a hitch. Sparky will be returned to you safe yep. and sound. <laughs> but if not, we'll take if his you ears. Think to look me in the eye after someone asks you a question for permission to respond. <laughs> Sparky's gonna get it. This edit Haley Steinfeld of all the episodes, just like cold the plug, edit her out. She's Breaking not in this news. anymore. Haley Steinfeld is re- replaced in <laughs> Hawkeye by Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> <laughs> he just wears purple and like a wig. <laughs> Like, hey, Jeremy Renner. I mean, Hawkeye. It is, like, green screened in, like, running next to him. Yeah. So that's <laughs> exciting for us because it's basically all but confirmed our, our Young Avengers thing. It's 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 literally a thing, thing that they are have worked on, are working on, are going to work on. It's it's in some form of production because literally. Enough so that, that Kevin yeah. Feige is. It's a thing that Haley Steinfeld about knows about. So they've could. Which means all the other ones probably know about it. So very exciting for us. We win yeah. again. And it bears repeating but, again. Uh, we're, we, we, Secret, Secret Wars, Avengers, Secret Invasion, Secret Invasion, and uh, they're they're creating a Midnight Suns team. We did it. All right, I got two more things I want to attack before we wrap up the show here because we're getting towards the end. So I was gonna, I was watching this video, I'll do a little story time, long walk to a short class, I guess. Uh, this video is about Night Sealer Republic that came out on Nintendo Switch, and I was watching it, see if it was worth buying, see if I should buy it. I was vaguely interested in getting it because I like RPGs, you know, and Star Wars. I can be a Jedi; it's fun. Or I could be a Sith. I could be a gray Jedi even if I no. wanted to, because those are canon. no. You cannot. Be that- um, now I'm talking. It's my story. You can't interrupt. <laughs> you can't see that last show. Thing. That's or- not a real thing. <laughs> well, how do you know? It's not kind of the game. Gray Jedi don't exist. <laughs> anyway, besides for me bothering Zach, uh, I was watching a video about it, and they mentioned about like the remake. And they referenced the fact that it's also coming to Xbox and not PS5. And I was like, that's interesting. We talked about early on this show how it wasn't going to be and how we were bummed about it because we play it. We're, on, we're on Xbox, boys. Uh, and I looked into it, and apparently it has been confirmed to come to PC. And there's, like, belief that it will come to Xbox after, like, six months to a year of, piece of uh, PlayStation exclusivity. So I thought that'd be interesting news for you specifically, Zach, because I know you like Star Wars games and yeah. want to play them. That's, and yeah, and I, it's nice, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it will. It might be a yeah, year after think, it comes out. I think that so. was kind of always the understanding is that it would make it eventually. But yeah, that's that's annoying, dude. Like, I don't. We, I mean, we've we've already talked about it when this news came out. But fucking dumb, man. There's no reason it shouldn't be on it. Very like, dumb. I don't understand who benefits from PlayStation exclusives or, or console exclusives nowadays. Um, and I guess because it's on PC, it's it's kind of the same thing that Xbox does with their exclusives, which. They did pioneer that, though. Like, back in the day, and even still, like, depending on the title, PlayStation games do not go to PC. So oh, no, I, hardly ever. I don't know. I guess it. I guess you get enough of them, you really do start moving consoles. But, like, Knights of the Republic, for example, is that selling PlayStations? 
I'm the biggest Star Wars fan I know. I doubt and it. I don't think I'm going to buy a PlayStation for this game. I really don't. Well, that's because they don't exist. They don't. They're not. They stopped actually hold the production of PlayStation Fives because they don't well, have enough materials. Yes. Putting that aside, <laughs> assuming I could get my hands on one, or assuming in two years or whenever this game comes out, they have them more readily available. It doesn't. I don't think I'm going to do it. Like I, I don't know. So it doesn't. I don't know if it moves consoles like that, because anything I ever see on the internet is more so people like having the console they already picked for whatever reason. And then they just kind of like argue about that. They kind of like reverse engineer their opinions almost. Because yeah. no, you know, everyone who has a PlayStation claims that they don't give a shit about Halo and that Halo's not even good anyways. They don't even want to play it, actually. And, you know, Xbox guys will be like, well, Spider Man's not even good. The reality is, they're probably all just good games, but you just kind of have to decide yeah, what you want to. But yeah, so like, it's, it, I don't know. It doesn't seem like Halo Infinite's moving a lot of Xboxes. Because if you're a big PlayStation guy, you're just kind of going to be like, well, I don't I don't even want to play that anyways, actually. Yeah, I didn't want to. It's, it's fine. No, I didn't want to play anyway. Why would I ever want to play it? It was not even good, man. So, yeah, I, I I don't think I'm on that perspective. I mean, I, I do sometimes wish I could have played, like, Spider-Man and, like, God of War and stuff. But even still, it's not enough to make me switch. But, yeah, this is yeah. a big one. I don't know. I, I guess it remains to be seen. Because, like, the other common joke is that, like, everyone that, that during the, you know, in the console war stuff, which is just tiresome to begin with but people will uh will talk about the exclusives as a way to like hype their own be like yeah playstation better man because we got last of us and this and that and like the overwhelming majority of guys who play on xbox or playstation are just playing they're just playing call of duty call of duty so yeah they're not like it's big story games but but then the the last thing i wanted that akitech can do uh was that as of Yesterday, oh, as we're recording this on Sunday, so that's the twentieth, November twentieth. One Piece has officially reached one thousand episodes. That's of crazy, and uh, uh one thousand thirty-two chapters of manga. One thousand episodes. A fun little thousand. Yeah, let's of them. bring it up on binge clock real quick, Jack. We were talking about this week various animes that I may actually watch, even though you're all, you uh, you you turned me off of anime for all time. I may may have to come back and do it. Turned you off? Yeah, when you made fun of me for watching uh. Watching Gate, that was it. That was game over. When did I make fun of you? Did I make fun of watching about, Gate? When we talked about Visions. Oh, I must have. Yeah, I, probably. I, heard, I think made I made fun, fun of me. Of you. Well, no, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I made fun of you for watching anime, and then you're like, well, you watch a bad anime. The anime you watched wasn't even good. And I'm like, you know what? Fair. I shall never watch another one again, then. Not not even that. Uh, how about the years of we've known each other where you didn't watch anime, and I still did, and you were like, ah, but make yeah, fun of you, though. Yeah, it's good. No, I'm I'm a classic jokesman. I'm a I'm a comedic wordsman. <laughs> a jokesman. I mean, if you're a comedian, so yeah. Without uh, without sleeping commercials, uh, bathroom breaks, any of that, to watch every episode of One Piece all the way through would take you 16 days, 18 hours, and 30 minutes. To be fair, some of those episodes are filler and not canon. Take those out. Probably only probably still 16 days, but probably like five hours. That's insane. That's like incomprehensible. Ah, it'll be fine. Don't watch the anime. Anime blows ass anyway. Anyway, I can tell you, we're going to end it right here. Uh, as always, thanks for listening. You can always find us at on Twitter at AkitechJazz. That's J-A-Z. And AkitechJazz at gmail.com for any uh, comments, questions, concerns, or suggestions you want us to uh, talk about on the show. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and Amazon slash Audible. And as always, our logo was done by a friend of the show, Jeffrey Gonzalez. You can always find him at inkocean.jpg where all his art is, and Redbubble, the bias merch. 
And as always, we wrote it, we produced it, we built all the sets. Good night. Godspeed.